You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. She's going to be singing to us. And uh, of course, I'm just excited to hear all the young uh, prophets and prophetesses that are going to be preaching the word. But I want to thank every single disciple for just putting your heart into making the conference go. Uh, Whether you're coordinating the football tournament like Brother Blaze right here. uh, Whether you're making small handmade cards for every member that's visiting, uh, like our sister Leanne. I I just want to thank the church for your hard work to pull off the European Missions Conference. We need to keep praying for it as well. Amen? Okay, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I've entitled the lesson today, Five Great Words. Five Great Words. And you're going to find out what those five great words are in a moment. But, of course, we studied Isaiah about a week ago. And we, lo- we learned a few things about Isaiah the prophet. Number one, we learned he was a prophet. And, of course, the question was asked last week, are you a prophet? Now, we also learned that the book of Isaiah has 66 books. And so many Bible scholars view it as the mini Bible. And of course, a lot of you already knew that. You knew that. Of course, in the Holy Bible, the first half of the Bible is all about God's judgment. The second half, all about Jesus, all about hope. Are you guys with me here? And so we see the same message in the book of Isaiah. The first 39 books of Isaiah are really about judgment. I mean, he opens the book, not with a welcome or anything, but laying it out to God's people. Of course, it's all about judgment. Well, the second half of the book of Isaiah is all about God's redemptive plan and God's hope for God's people. So people see it as the mini Bible. We're going to dig into the mini Bible today. Amen. We also learn a few things about Isaiah. He was radical. He was sold out. Remember, he was sawed in two for preaching the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11 teaches that because of someone's faith, some people had the faith to preach, they were sawed in two. And that's a reference to Isaiah. So we know there wasn't any persecution, any negative speech, anything on the internet that could stop Isaiah from being a man who preached the word of God. You guys with me here? And now we come to chapter 6, where Isaiah, uh, some things changed for him. Sometimes that happens in your life. You come to a time where things just kind of change on up there for you. For the good. And things change for the good for Isaiah. Because instead of preaching a message to the people, I believe it's chapter 6 where God started preaching to Isaiah. And preferably you're here because you want to hear what God has to say. Not to your group, not to your ministry, not to your husband, not to your wife, but what God has to say to you. Are you guys with me here this morning? Let's get into the scriptures here. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Okay, we got to stop right there. There's already so much insight. I'm sure you guys already know where we're going with this right here. There's our, I, mean, I mean, we got Jamil back here with us. He's, he's following me here. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Well, who was Uzziah? Uzziah was one of the more godly kings of Judah. And of course, he did an incredible work for God's people. And it says, Uzziah died. Now, who was Uzziah in relation to Isaiah? He was Isaiah's cousin. So this could be someone that Isaiah looked up to. I mean, Uzziah was one of the more godly kings, and he did great things for the Lord, even though he was disciplined by God later on in his life. 
Okay, he was disciplined because he 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 blew it. He went into there. He he tried to play king and priest. And we learned that you can't play a couple of different roles. You got to stay in your lane as a Christian. Are you guys with me here? And so Uzziah dies, who is Isaiah's cousin. And so so one could argue that wow, Isaiah sees his hero, his his cousin, the king, die. And it isn't until the king dies that Isaiah says a few words. It says, "In the year the king Uzziah died." I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. It took the death of Uzziah for Isaiah to see God. It took that death for Isaiah to, 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 to actually see God. Because see, back then, you could view the king as God. There are many kings who were called God. The God King Xerxes. And so Isaiah viewed, viewed his cousin as someone amazing. And yet God took Uzziah out. And it was that that helped Isaiah see God. And of course Uzziah was disciplined by God. Because he was also unfaithful in a few things. By acting and pretending to be the priest. You say, well, okay, well, what's good about death? Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 says this, a good name is better than fine perfume and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. And so we see that Uzziah's death was for Isaiah to take to heart. What do we learn? Death is for the living. Death is for the living. Death is to help you see God. And so, as Uzziah was taken out, it helped Isaiah see God. And of course, the question we got to ask before we even dig in. Who is your Uzziah? What is your Uzziah? What has had to be put to death for you to see God? For you to really, truly see God. You know, for me, it was me seeing that I was in a dead church that wasn't preaching the word of God. And when that was revealed to me, oh my gosh, I saw God. It took me seeing that I had dead friendships. And that the true disciples, the true Christians, loved me enough to tell me the truth. And then I went, oh my gosh, I see God. It took the death of these important things for me to see God. And as a people, you've got to ask yourself, do you see God? What has had to be put to death? Maybe you were in a congregation, you thought it was God's church, and yet you see in the scriptures, it isn't. And it dies. And then you see God through that. Who is your king, Uzziah? What is your king, Uzziah? We'll keep reading. Verse 3. It says, and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, although Uzziah had died and things were looking a little dark for God's people, the message still was, no, no, no. The whole earth is still full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, 
the doorposts, the thresholds, took the temple, was filled with smoke. Woe to me! I cried, I'm ruined! For I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, five great words, which is the title of our lesson. Here am I, send me. Those are five great words that any man or any woman can say in response to the calling of God. Let's say it together. Here am I, send me. Now let's say it like we really mean it. Here am I, send me. Okay, now you really mean it. I'm with you right there. He said, go and tell his people. See, back then you had to go and tell. You still got to go and tell. You just got to go and make. Are you guys still with me here? Be ever hearing, be ever understanding. Be ever seeing, ever perceiving. Make the heart of these people calloused. Make their ears dull. Close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, O Lord? He answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. Until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tent remain in the land, he says, there's still a tent there. He says, though a tent remain in the land, it will be again laid waste. But as the terabith and the oak leaf stumps, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. And the church said, Amen. point number one, Isaiah saw God. Isaiah saw God. Do you see God? Did you wake up this morning and open your Bible because you wanted to see God? Are you here at service in the temple because you... you you want to hear God. You, you want to see God. You know, of course, last week we talked about a phrase that was very important or something that we coined in the church in Portland, Oregon. And I think we still need to embrace it here today. When a person is doing well spiritually, they're God-focused. When a person is doing bad spiritually, they're man-focused. And so we as a people need to be focused on God. Amen. We need, to, we, we need to want to see God. Amen. Isaiah saw God. He says, I see the Lord. I see the Lord. And although his king had died, the true king was still on the throne. That was Jesus. I never forget when I studied the Bible. I, I give all honor and respect to my family for teaching me principles about God. But sadly, I, I, I'll never forget when my cousin, who had become my hero, who was my hero, he was my Uzziah. When I saw from the scriptures, he was teaching me things that were not in the Bible. I was grateful for what he did teach me, but partial obedience is still complete disobedience. And so I, I, I was saddened, but I saw God. And I was able to become a disciple. You know, of course... For the European Missions Conference, we have some incredible t-shirts that we've, we've created. 
Now, I can't take credit for the creation, of course. They were created by our new artistic director, if you, if you will, Michael Kishore right there. <laughs> and Michael's an incredible, incredible, incredible disciple, but an incredible artist as well. And he's created these t-shirts that are very, very incredible. They say, keep calm and keep dreaming. Whoa. Now you say, well, where does that phrase come from? If you're from England, Britain, you should know where that phrase comes from. Okay, World War II. And of course, you know, in America, they've, they've stolen the phrase. They've taken that phrase, and, and it's, it's on everything. Keep calm and keep buying coffee. Keep calm and keep driving. Keep calm and do this. Keep calm and do that. Well, I go, hey, hold on a minute. It's an English phrase. I'm in England now. That's ours over here. We're going to use that right here. And so he's created these great t-shirts for us, but I, I started looking at the history, of course, of what that meant, and it was, it was, an, it was an intense time. Of course, that, that poster was, was, was created during World War II. It never got out to the public. There were two posters prior to that that were given by the king to ease the hearts of the people because, of course, they were getting ready to be attacked by Germany and everything. It was, it was an intense time. And the last poster was said, keep calm and carry on. It was just the last one. It never got out, and it was just, re, they, they, it was just found again in 2000, and now it's kind of become this thing where, with, where it's on everything. Okay? And so, in, in, in a real way, in the same way that Isaiah saw his king dead, and, 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 but King Jesus was still on the throne, I think King Jesus would still say the same thing to us. To keep calm and carry on. No matter what's going on in your life, keep calm and carry on. When times are a little challenging for you, keep calm and carry on. When you go through an operation and you're bedridden, keep calm, keep your conviction, and carry on. Amen, Jamil? When the finances are just a little low, King Jesus is still on the throne, keep calm and carry on. When a disciple falls away, let's say it together. Keep calm and carry on. When special missions comes and we've got to raise funds to build a great church for God's glory, keep calm and carry on. When Satan attacks and blocks a preacher from coming, Andrew Smellin, and then blocks another preacher, Eugene Sobolov from Kiev, God's still on the throne. We got to keep calm and carry on. When God blesses you with an incredible wife, keep calm and carry on. I'm calm. I'm carrying on. You guys still with me here? When God blesses you with a dating relationship, we got to get some dating relationships in the church. Keep calm and carry on. And lastly, when God blesses you in an encouraging way, say even with something like somebody getting baptized, keep calm and carry on. Why? Because it's all about God. It's all about seeing God. It's all about God. What we're doing is about God. This church is about God. You're called because he wants to, he wants to live through you. That's why your, his Holy Spirit is in you. Because he's left that spirit so that you can go out to minister to the nations.
so that you can be the Isaiah, the man, the woman who says those five great words. Here am I. Send me. What made Isaiah incredible is God allowed this situation, this death of Uzziah, to help him see God. The next thing we see is after he saw God, he saw himself. He saw himself. It says this, verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. (laughs) For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord, almighty. Unclean lips come from an unclean heart. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He saw himself. Isaiah's cry was, I need to be cleansed. Now that I see God, I see I'm not right with God. You you can't minister unless God is ministering to you. You can't preach to anybody unless God is preaching to you. You can't be a true man or a woman of God unless you, you, you wake up and you want to know what God has to say to you. What God is cleansing in your life before you can go out to clean others. So before it's woe to you, it's woe to me. <laughs> See? That, that's got to be our spirit. You know, I love, the, I love the, the times you get to travel. And you get on the plane. And of course, there's the stewardess that gives you the, the whole little spiel about that no one ever listens to. <laughs> Everyone's sitting there. No one's listening. I mean, it could, mean, it could save your life and no one ever listens to it. Everyone just sits there like this here. She's giving her heart. She's doing this. And she goes at the back and in the rear. She's doing this. And she does all these things here and like this. And, and she's got the card and she does all that stuff. She does it. And one time I actually paid attention. And, you know, she, she, she says, okay, in the event of an emergency, when you need oxygen, your temptation is going to be to grab the oxygen mask and put it on your child first. Don't do that. Put it on yourself first so that you can be saved, then put it on your child. We don't want both of you dying. She didn't say that, but that's the message I got. <laughs> and so the principle is still the same today. You can't help other people if you're not getting help yourself. You can't save other people. and. Unless you've been saved. And that's the question I have for those of you that are visiting. According to the, 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 the Holy Bible, are you saved? Are you saved? In the eyes of God, not in the eyes of man. Are you saved? Do you see God in the scriptures? Turn to Acts chapter 2. Okay. Acts chapter 2. Isaiah saw how he stood before God. He saw himself. He says, I'm unclean. I need to be saved. I need to be clean. Of course, in the New Testament, we understand you're only cleansed through baptism. You're only cleansed through baptism. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Peter says this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. See, a lot of people want Jesus as their Lord, but not as the Christ. Other people want Jesus the Christ, but not Lord. Christ means Savior. I want to be saved. Lord means he's in control of your life. So, I know that was my attitude. I I want salvation without lordship. I want to be saved, but don't don't tell me what to do. 
Jesus isn't Lord of my finances, Lord of my relationship, Lord of all these things. But I'm saved. No, 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 no. The Bible says when you see God through the scriptures, Jesus is Lord and Christ. When they heard this, it says they were cut to the heart. And no different than Isaiah. Wow. They said, Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. So there was that hard talk. No, no, no. The Bible said, you're not right with God. But there was also that soft side, the pleading. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And the church said, Amen. see, not everybody accepts the message. Unless you believe in Jesus Christ, you are lost. Unless you believe in the word of God, your standard is pointless. You've got to, believe, you've got to have a faith in Jesus. You've got to become a disciple. You've got to get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins or you are not saved challenge for you. Do you see God through that? See, we live in a world where people don't want to know the truth. Everyone gets angry. They, you, you show the scriptures and they, they get mad. You guys say, no, no, it's not about us. It's about the word of God. It's not about us. It's the word of God. For those of you today, I plead with you. I beg you. Allow the word of God to show you who he is and where you are. Allow the word of God to be your standard. And ask yourself, are you right with God? Say you're not right with God? Hey, this message is for you. It's time for you to see your need for the Lord and get right with God today. Amen. Today. For those of you that are disciples, you've got to see your need. You've got to see where you are. What's this mean? We're talking about confessing sin and being honest and being open about where you're at. Turn to Leviticus chapter 4. Leviticus chapter 4. You know, we're going to look at a, a sin that, that can dog us out, and I want to preface for it through the word of God so it doesn't, it doesn't get us. So that we as a people can, can not be thrown a spiritual curveball. There are a couple of types of sins that are highlighted in the Bible that can highlight that you got some unclean lips. Okay. And I'm not just talking about you, you didn't put the right color lipstick on right there for the sisters. I'm talking about spiritual condition right there. Amen? Okay, MJ, are you with me right there, MJ? Okay, MJ's with me there. You know, when we go through the Bible, we, the Bible really highlights two types of sins that are dominant. Number one, sins of commission. That means it's a sin you commit, something you do. Outside of your body, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Sexual immorality, idolatry. And it goes through all these sins that are sins of commission. You know, you see all these sins of commission if you just turn on MTV. You can see them all right there. They're there. You see all these sins if you just walk down Camden, whether it's Sunday afternoon or, or Saturday night. Those are the obvious sins that we see. Then there's sins of omission, James chapter 4 which means you have unclean lips. These are things you know you ought to do, but you don't do. These are good things you know you ought to do, but you don't do. Like, 
For instance, you, you, know you, you know you ought to study for the test, but you don't. And so you fail. That's something that happened to me last week. I just wanted to be open right there and get my unclean lips right out there before the congregation. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I didn't. I took the life in UK test. I want indefinite leave to remain here. I'm, 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 I'm becoming British, guys. It's happening. It's happening, guys. I'm saying in it. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling. I've been, I've, I don't know how many super malts I've drank. Ola's got me on super malts. I, I mean, I'm becoming British. MJ's got me on super malts. I mean, it, it's just great. But I didn't, I didn't study for the life in the UK test. And I thought, oh, I've been in, in the UK. <laughs> it's not, I've been here two years. <laughs> and I, I took the test. They started asking some questions. These questions were challenging. <laughs> you know, what is the percentage of minorities that moved here in the 1800s? <laughs> A high percentage? I'm sorry, you're wrong. Are you a preacher? Yeah, I am. You know, it was, just, it was just embarrassing. I failed the exam. And there were a lot of questions. I just didn't know the answer. And I sincerely tried to put down what I thought was the right answer. One question was, what's the, what, what part of the UK has the lowest population? Scotland, England, Wales, or Northern Ireland? Which one has, which one has the lowest population? Wrong. It's Scotland. I got that one wrong too. But sincerity, I was just sincere. I said, come on, it's got to be Wales. Yeah, see, some of you, even the British, you guys are. We didn't even know that one. I was just getting nailed on this test. Well, after, after I failed it, uh, I talked to Victor Como. He gave me a little discipling right there, amen? Victor sent me the book and said, bro, you, you may want to read the life in UK word of God right there. You, you may want to study the word of God in the life of UK. I, I, want to preach the, I want to preach the word of the life in UK book here to you. And so Victor started preaching that book to me. It's a book that gives you all the details about living in the UK. So I studied the book. Amen? You got to repent right there. I studied the book diligently and I took the exam yesterday. It was grueling, but I passed the exam right there, guys. Amen. Leviticus chapter 4, <laughs> verse 1. We've looked at sins of commission and sins of omission, but you know what sins we forget? Unintentional sins. When you didn't really mean it, you didn't really know. It's still a sin. It was said that ignorance is okay, or what you don't know won't hurt you. Not with the word of God. What you don't know totally will hurt you. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, when anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in the Lord's commands, if the anointed priest sins, bring guilt on the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? Priests sinned back then. Priests weren't perfect. They sinned. And some of them sinned, how? Unintentionally. They weren't trying to, they just blew it. 
And the Bible says, even though they didn't know, were they guilty? Yeah. Is there just more than Yami here? Any, any, anyone else here? I was wondering right there. Yeah. They're so guilty. And that's for the priests. Well, let's skip on down. Look at verse 20, uh, 13. If the whole Israelite community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in the Lord's commands, even though the community is unaware of the matter, they are what? Guilty. They're guilty. When they become aware of the sin they committed, the assembly must bring a young bull as a sin offering and present it before the tent of the meeting. He says a whole community, an entire church can be in sin unintentionally. They're not trying to sin. They just don't know. They don't know that nowhere in the Holy Bible do you find babies getting baptized. Nowhere. Nowhere. Not one person. There's no, there's no such thing as that. That was created. The Catholic Church, that's a false teaching. I'm sorry. Maybe you have friends from that background. This is not meant to offend. I just want you to see God. It's, it's, it's wrong. It's a false teaching. There's no such thing as babies being baptized. There's no such thing as praying Jesus into your heart. There's, that's not in the Bible. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I know it stings. If you have friends of that background. But there's no such thing as that. I know it may be unintentional. It's still a sin. If the whole, if, if the whole community believes in that. It's a sin. Even if you know what it teaches in the Bible and you're not doing it. Like so many in our former fellowship. It's still a sin. It's still wrong. Even though it's not your intention to sin, unintentional sin, it's still sin. Let's see if it only nails the priest and the community. Let's see if it even gets even deeper. Verse 22. When a leader sins unintentionally and doesn't study for the life and UK test and does what is forbidden in any of the commands of the Lord God, he's what? Guilty. When he is made aware of the sin he committed, he must bring an offering, a male goat, without Defect. So right here they were understanding that leaders are going to blow it sometimes. Not purposely, but unintentionally. It's still a sin, even though it's unintentional. Verse 27. If a member of the community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, he or she is what? Guilty. Guilty. When he is made aware of the sin committed, he must bring an offering for the sin he has committed, a female goat, without defect. Unintentional sin is still sin. Now, we're not in the Old Testament. You don't have, I mean, can you imagine? Someone comes to church and they got a young bull with them. Another brother's got a, another, he's got goats with him. He's got a cage of goats and he's there. He's got pigeons everywhere flying around the fellowship. You're like, man, you guys, whoa, you had a rough week this week. <laughs> Golly, look at, look at, look at Daniel. He's got two bulls he's come with today. Man, he had a rough week. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Look. Kazai, she's got some pigeons with her today. Oh my goodness. Woo. See, we don't have to bring those animals or anything. We got Jesus Christ who is our turning sacrifice. Amen? Amen. But the principle is still true today. Unintentional sin is still a sin. You may not be aware, but when you're made aware, it is a sin. You know, I want to lift up a man who's come today to be baptized in the waters uh, for the forgiveness of his sins. That's, uh, that's going to be your new brother James right here. Where's James at? There he is, there he is. He's the guy with that big old smile on his face right there. And, uh, you know, we, we, we got in there with James, and the brothers did an incredible job studying the Bible with James. And I was able to sit in on one study, and, and, and there were some issues in James' past that he was not aware of. 
And one of those issues was, hey, when it comes to marriage, you've got to get married legally. Okay, there is no such thing as the preacher blessing the marriage and then you not being married in the eyes of the law. Right. That, that, we don't believe in that. Right. Why don't we believe in that? Because the Bible doesn't talk about that. Even Jesus says, hey, if somebody wants to divorce because of marital unfaithfulness, you got to give a certificate of divorce. Right. But you got to have a certificate of marriage first. <laughs> yeah. You've got to be married first. You got to have the certificate, right? Yeah. Right. So we, we, we don't believe in it. I just want to dispel that rumor, that thought, that thinking that you can be blessed by a pastor and then you may, that, that no no the pastor is not God. Right. The pastor is not, and I I am not God. I'm one of those priests who sin. I'm one of those leaders who sin unintentionally. Please have mercy on me, guys. But we were able to talk about and James goes, I didn't know. I didn't know that. <laughs> You mean, any, I'm not married to, you're not, whoa, but I want to become a disciple and not, you've got to be willing to put the commands of God, now that you're made aware, over your feelings, if you want to be a true disciple. And James sat there and he, he got that look and kind of got, got serious and got very, that uncomfortable silence. That's really pretty comforting when you obey the scriptures. But you need that sometimes. And then James says, I'm going with what the word of God says. I want to be a true disciple. I need to be married to a true disciple. He's going to be baptized today, guys. (laughs) Unintentional sin is still a sin. You may have unintentional sins in your life. You got to be willing to see yourself like Isaiah was. But even though they're unintentional, they're still sins. You guys still with me here? Let's try to bring it in for a close here. Back to Isaiah. Point number three. After he saw God, after he saw himself, only then did he see the need for other people. Isaiah chapter 6. I love what he says here. In verse 8, he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said those five great words, Here am I, send me. Isaiah saw the need for world evangelism. He saw the need to preach to the people. Do you see the need? He didn't discuss it with everybody. He didn't pray about it. He didn't fast about it. Once he saw the need, he said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Do you have that spirit? You know, it's awesome building the London International Christian Church. Do you realize there will be people from our church that will go on mission teams? Do Do you realize that? There'll be disciples that are going to be called to go to Northern Ireland. Are you going to say, here am I, send me? There are going to be disciples that are going to be called to go to Africa, where we're all from originally, amen? See, even our our Vanilla Brothers, you're from, Nick, I'm sorry, I know Northern Ireland, you're still from Africa, though, originally right there. We're all all from Africa originally, originally. Amen. Are you going to have that heart? To be that man, that woman who dreams. 
says, I'm willing to leave the comfort of London to go plant a church in Ghana. To go to South Africa. To build a great church there. Do you see the need? You see the need? See, when you don't see God, you don't see yourself. If you don't see God, you won't see yourself. And if you won't see yourself, you won't see the need. And we got to be a people that see the need. And we say, I know I'm at UCL campus, God. Here am I, send me. Right, Michael Kishore? I know I'm at Middlesex, and I'm the only one. Here am I, send me. I know I'm down at King's College. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I know, I, I know. I, I, I'm the only, one of the only faithful from the remnant here, remnant here in Oxford. But here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. Uh, uh, we're up here in Barnett. Here am I. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Use me. Isaiah saw the need. And of course he was used by God. God gave him an incredible, incredible, incredible. One, number one, God gave him the ability. God gave him an opportunity. And that meant God gave him the responsibility. You know, God's given all of us the ability to just share our faith. God's given us the opportunity to be the church that knows what it truly means to be saved. Now that he's given us both those things, that gives us a responsibility, guys. I want to coin a new, a, new, a new equation. You know, we say disciple equals Christian equals saved. Ability plus opportunity equals responsibility. If you got the ability to do something and the opportunity is calling, you got a responsibility. You know, I got to lift up the church. There's a member of the church that understands we are a very poor church. There's a member. They understand we, we, we're poor. It's awesome. I'm still fired up. I talked to Sean Corrigan today. He goes, bro, that's a nice suit. Where'd you get that from? I go, I got it from a charity shop. He goes, really? How much? I go, seven pounds. Top in the bottle. <laughs> Sean goes, bro, I need, to, I need to go with you. I go, amen. The Lord provides. The Lord provides. But we're a poor church. It's okay. It's awesome. And one of the members knew, knew, knew this. And they've been given, that they hear the call, they hear the message. And one of our members came and, and, and gave, gave a little extra funds to the church. Above their contribution, more than twice their contribution, more than three times their contribution, probably about five times their contribution. Just because they've been blessed by God. They have the ability, they saw the opportunity, and they go, I have a responsibility. And I want to lift up the church for doing that. We've got to have the heart to say, here am I. Send me. I think, I think for some of us, there's self-doubt going on. That you doubt yourself. And, and, and you don't believe God can use you. Do you have that heart? Here am I, send me. We're not just having a European missions conference just to get a great meal together and just to hang out. <laughs> okay, men who dream, that's your catchy title. No, we're going to live that out, guys. We're going to do that. Are you that woman who's dreaming? Are you that man who's dreaming? 
Is the dream a nightmare to you? You need to see God. That may be where the uncleanliness is in your heart. I don't want to go anywhere. That's a nightmare. <laughs> I'm in a dream. It's a nightmare for me. No, 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 no. That right there is, that's, that's a bitterness right there. There's some uncleanliness in your heart. You need to see yourself. If we're going to be God's church, we all need to have that spirit where we don't let any King Uzziah stand in the way of really being those men and women who say, here am I, send me. First time I was called to really do something radical for God, I said, here am I, I'm not going. <laughs> Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. <laughs> it's biblical. I mean, you got those kind of disciples. Here am I, I'm not going. Yeah. Stalling for time. There's other types of disciples. Here am I, send Aaron. <laughs> That's what Moses said. Yeah. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Here am I, send, send Aaron. Right? He, he's awesome. He's, he's incredible. Send, send, send her, send him. Yeah. And there's Jer Jeremiah. Here am I, I'm only a teenager. Oh. I'm in university. I've I got a lot of pressure on me right now. I'm in uni right now. I'm only, that's called what ifing the Lord. What if, what if this happens? What if that, I'm only, I'm only young. We all need to have the heart. Say, here am I, send me. And for those that have self-doubt, I want you to remember that Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah wasn't the most attractive. Joseph was abused. Moses had a studying problem. Gideon was a coward. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were both, quote unquote, too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah had suicidal thoughts. Isaiah preached while he was naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job's oyster card ran out and he couldn't pay his council tax and he went bankrupt. Peter chickened out in front of a girl. Martha was a worrywart. The Samaritan woman went through a divorce more, more than once. Zacchaeus was a midget. Saul was too religious. And Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. God can use you. What's the point? God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. I want to challenge you to start being on a mission team here in London. I want to challenge you to give a mission team effort here in London, England. I want to challenge you to really embrace the dream of evangelizing the nations in one generation, starting here in London. Amen. I want to challenge you to do that, guys. To embrace the dream, to hold it sacred. And see the need for people to become true disciples. This world is so wicked. Yep. It is wicked. Right. Human trafficking. Yep. Women being exploited stolen right off the streets and put into pornography and impurity, yet we as men, we, we struggle and then we go to pornography. You know, I, 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 I read an incredible story of a young woman who was abducted, and they think most of this human trafficking and this type of stuff happens from, you know, these far small countries where there's, where there's, where there's high poverty. This woman was abducted right in the United States of America had a great life, was working at her family's company, and she was abducted and put into this, to this sick trade of human trafficking and pushed all around the world doing pornography. And she gave her testimony because she was able to not only get out of it alive, she got out and she turned to God. Wow. She turned to God. And I just go, wow, I read that story this week. 
I went on her website and I emailed her. I said, I, I, I want some, somehow we can connect. I want you to meet my wife and somehow we can, we, can, we can connect with you. But her story just highlights how dark this world is. Even here in London. Just how many, how many people are getting drunk right now? Right now people are getting drunk. Last night somebody did something that they're going to regret for the rest of their life. Relationally. Do you see the need? Do you see the need, guys? There's a need for world evangelism. We got to say, here am I. Send. Me. That being said, there's a need to, to grab the remnant, which is our last point. He saw the remnant. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 10. Actually, it's in, uh, it's in verse 13. He says, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. And of course he was talking about the challenges that were going to happen in the land. But he said there's going to be a tenth. There's going to be a small amount that are, that, that are saved, that are not laid waste. There's going to be a remnant. There's going to be a small group of survivors. Of course all of us know what happened in our former fellowship. Of course, our former fellowship crashed and many convictions were thrown out the door and it left many remnant disciples. It left a, a, a lot of disciples that were just holding on to what it really meant to be a true disciple. That were holding on to the true faith and, and, and struggling with everything, but still holding on. I mean, that's, that's how we got Blaze and Patricia Fumba. They, they saw the, big, the death of the movement, but they still saw God through it. And said, so we, we need to be with God's people. They were that remnant. Of course, a lot of you know, hey, you were those remnant disciples that were hanging on until we planted the church here. Yeah. Of course, I believe we got Brother Wayne last week right there. One of those, those sold-out remnant warriors right there. Come join us. We got to see the remnant, guys. We got to see the remnant. You know, I'm so fired up. I see, I see the remnant. Of course, we, we, we know about Martin and Teresa Scott. Now, Martin and Teresa Scott are an amazing couple. They've been Christians for about 20 years. But with the dismantling of our former fellowship and the, and the absence of discipling and true relationships and everything, they, they found themselves just out there floating, floating in the, just floating. But they heard about the London church. James Morgan shared his faith. And said, here's a place, here's a place where you can come. The light is on and the door is still open. God's kingdom is still alive. And he called them. He said, you guys need to come check it out. Well, we had some conversation and talks. Martin and Teresa Scott have said, hey, listen, we're leaving Ireland. And not only are they leaving, we need two brothers. Three, well, actually, we need three more brothers to help them because they're going to be here next week, guys. They are the tenth that remains. They are the remnant, and they are coming to be with us here in London, England. Amen? And so logistically, I know we have a couple of brothers that are helping out, but we need about three or four more because there are a few challenges that have happened. So please see me after the service if you can really help in bringing this remnant couple back here. Okay? Now, the other couple is Michael and Maria Hart. Now, Michael and Maria Hart, they are coming here, guys. It isn't enough. They're not thinking about it. They are coming here. They are leaving sunny Curacao. Curacao is like paradise. White sand beaches, blue water, 
The fish even wave to you. I mean, it is a paradise. Teal birds, I've never seen a teal bird. Teal bird just, you know, just yeah, like this. And yeah, Michael and Maria Hart go, this is beautiful. But this is not the kingdom of God. We need to be with God's people. And they've booked their tickets, guys, and they're coming. They're going to be here at the, the beginning of December. They will be here, guys. That's only Michael, Maria, and Martin and Teresa. They're not the only Remy disciples that are out there. I know some of us, even in the congregation, we know brothers and sisters that need to come and join us. If you're a remnant disciple that's looking for a place to land, I want to challenge you to come to be at the London International Christian Church. I want to challenge you to come to the European Missions Conference. And us here in the church, we, we, we got to go after those remnant disciples. We got to see those ones that are still holding on to their faith. Martin and Teresa Scott, they, 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 they haven't been going to church up there for seven years, eight years, waiting for the true gospel call. Waiting for someone to say, come down here and be with us. And of course, that was James. Amen. But I believe there are more disciples out there that want to come and join God's movement here. But I really believe we got to take the heart of Isaiah. That we got to have the spirit to say, here am I. Send me. To say those five great words. Here am I. Send me. To God be the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.